Welcome to the Fish Nerds. I'm Zoe Groves, daughter of the Chief Executive Fish Nerd and heir to the throne. Here is my dad, Clay. Wow, thanks, Zoe. Uh, you wish you were heir to the throne. <laughs> Do you even know what that means? Yeah. No, it means you're going to inherit everything. All oh, this empire, the Fish Nerds Media Empire, will someday be yours. Really? Yeah, yeah, someday. If you're very, very lucky and you treat me well in my old age. I think I will. I think you will. Okay, so... Zoe's here with me today uh, because I couldn't find a co-host, and she's the only, only one awake this morning. So I thought, perfect, let's get Zoe in. Plus, she was involved with all this stuff. So, okay, before we begin, Zoe, do you know how we make money on the podcast? <laughs> right, we don't make money on the podcast. However, um, we don't have any sponsors, which is true. But our listeners sometimes give us some money, and that helps us pay for the show. Uh, and so we're asking all of listeners to go to a website called Patreon dot com slash fish nerds and give us one dollar per episode would you pay a dollar to hear someone entertain you and make you laugh for an hour yes good that's the right answer so that's what we're asking people to do give us a dollar we'll give you an hour's worth of fun so every time we put a show up will you give us a buck that's four dollars a month it's not a lot of money unless you're 10 in which case it's you don't earn any money right i don't have any money you don't have any money so to zoe that's a lot of money can i have four dollars no. No. So, but because she doesn't have a job. But those of you who listen, who have jobs, we're asking you to give us $4 a month. Help us keep this show going. Uh, and, and it makes a big difference. If you give us $25 an episode, which is a lot of money, uh, I will mention your business on the show. Um, our friend Josh Lopes. You know Josh? He lives in the bottom of our driveway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he gives us that money. He owns a business called LopesTax.com, and he's in Hanover, Massachusetts. So if you're in Hanover, go to LopesTax.com and make Josh be your money guy, because he's good, and he helps pay for this show, and we appreciate that. Um, there's other awards levels, some levels where you're going to get a hat on, and coming very soon, Zoe, we're going to get who rags that say fish nerds on them. Who rags are um, like buffs, and they go over your nose and mouth and help keep the bugs off or keep the... Uh, Ultraviolet rays from burning your neck to nothing. Cool. And I think the only way I'm going to give those to people is if they are Patreon subscribers. So get in the game now while you can. Okay, patreon.com slash fishnerds. Okay, now on with the show. That took a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now we got to get on with the show. So here's what we have tonight. Today's show, uh, Hugo Medeiros is back with his segment, Killing Fish in Time with Hugo. And this week, he is cooking us some fluke with bananas. What does that mean? Uh, well, we're going to find out soon. It's a good question. Uh, we also, uh, a friend of ours was hiking the Appalachian Trail. His name was Yates. Remember Yates? Yeah. Yeah. So Yates was with us, and he came and stayed at our house, and we took him fishing. So he came along. We're going to tell that story, and we interviewed Yates for the show. So that'll be great. Uh, then we're going to get naked and afraid with the Samantha Ole. That's uh, Samantha Ole is on the upcoming Discovery Channel TV show, Naked and Afraid. We're going to talk about being naked in the woods. Uh, we're going to play Stump the Fish Nerds, and of course, we're going to end with some fish in the news, and then we have a zoop super secret surprise from Doc Martin. So, big action-packed show tonight. Are you ready, Zoe? Yes. Are you ready to talk some fish nerd stuff? Yes. All right. Why don't we start off, um, why don't we start off with Hugo's cooking segment? Now, Hugo uh, caught and cooked a fluke for you today. Do you know what a fluke is, Zoe? Nope. Nope. A fluke is a flounder. And you've eaten flounder. They're delicious. They are delicious.
Hey folks, cooking correspondent for the Fish Nerds, Hugo Medeiros here checking in mid-July here in New England in Massachusetts. Checking in real quick, giving you guys an update and a quick recipe. Um, I've been having an awesome summer. I've been out uh, more times than ever on my kayak out in the ocean. Been catching stuff, been having lots of fun, uh, learning things from uh, great fishermen that we're uh, friends with in our community and uh, cooking and eating lots of amazing food. Um, the one uh, I'm gonna do tonight, I'm cooking right now actually, is a fluke. So uh, the fluke here in the summer is a fun time. A buddy of mine helped me, uh, you know, give me some tips and things and I landed my first fluke in a kayak uh, out by myself outside of uh, Rhode Island. And uh, it was awesome. So I've, I've already eaten, I, I can't even count how many times I've eaten fluke this year, but it's been a blast. I'm loving this stuff. Absolutely love the summer here in New England. And uh, what else did we catch? A real weird one. Just the other day, I caught trigger fish, which is weird because I believe they don't come up until later in the year normally, like September, because they're, uh, they like the warm water. So typically, from what I've been told, they stay down south. And um, it was weird, but it was amazing. I got into a school of them. There was just hundreds and hundreds of them. It was insane. It was like catching freshwater sunfish with a worm. It was just every single drop you'd get them. Um, the problem is I had big hooks, and they have tiny mouths, and they're famous for, um, for being bait thieves. So um, that was interesting. And, uh, but yeah, that was awesome. I got, I don't know, I must have brought home like eight of those things and they are awesome to eat. I mean, to me, black sea bass is, is one of the best ones, you know, and people who, you know, fish the uh, New England here will tell you, a lot of people will tell you that's their favorite fish. This trigger, I don't know, these trigger fish, um, I had just the other day, I wake up early, so I wake up at like 3.30 the other day, I had cooked three trigger fish meals before 8 a.m., before work. So, yeah, I'm having a blast, guys. Yeah, so this is a cool one I wanted to let you guys know about Fluke. So, I was reading about Fluke in my one of my favorite books in the world. So, this is called The Encyclopedia of Fish Cookery by A.J. McCartney. Clane, that's M-C-C-L-A-N-E, the Encyclopedia of Fish Cookery. This is one of the greatest books in the world. Thanks so much to our fishing friend and good buddy, Carl Misuraka, who turned me on to this. I think I got this on Amazon for like $3. Um, so what it is, it will tell you about every species of fish in the world, the scientific information, it also will tell you about uh, cooking, so it's a hardbound book, it's got full color photographs, it's just, it's amazing, it's a, so thorough, I can't believe it. So you have the science, you have the cooking, you have the history and politics and all sorts of anecdotes and funny stories and humor. So the section on fluke is, uh, it's just awesome. So it starts out talking about this guy. What was his name? I think I'd have to look it up. I think it was Vatel. But he was 
uh, one uh, who he was the person who was responsible for organizing big banquet dinners for Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King back in France. And what happened was he was organizing this huge uh, fancy dinner, and the fluke was at the center of the um, of the meal of the evening. And the fluke did not show up on time for dinner. So he ended up, he was so distraught, he killed himself. So imagine that. <laughs> Someone that's really, really into fluke. So I was, yeah, and the thing I was reading here is they said, the, um, the wonderful thing about it is it's such a neutral, mild, wonderful flavor that you can pair it with anything, and it pairs good with um with fruit so which is amazing like typically i'd never ever ever liked sweets that much or um or especially like any fruits or and things in my savory meals but hey you live and learn and your palate changes and i am going to try this all right so here's the crazy recipe that just struck my head. I think it was, uh, you know, reading this in this book made me um, get to thinking about it. So what I did is I have fillets of uh, fluke in a baking dish. And then in a food processor, I mixed, which is, you know, basically it's, it's a traditional recipe, at least here in New England, lots of people do it. This is one for you guys that's a classic and everybody that I've ever served it to adores it. And it takes minutes. So in a food processor, you mix Ritz crackers, melted butter, and then for me, that's all you really need. And for me, I like to add fresh lime juice and also fresh parsley. So I, I chopped all that up in the food processor and then... Um, I have the I have the fillets in uh, the baking dish, and what I did, the different thing, the crazy thing, is I took a banana, sliced it in half, and now we have banana on top of fluke fillet, and all that Ritz cracker mix that was in the food processor, you just pile it on top of the fish, put it in the oven for 20 to 20, it's a thin fish, I'm going to do 20 minutes, because nothing worse than overcooked fish, and... It is uh, baking as we speak, and I am going to serve it on a plate, and around it, because I have kiwi in front of me, I'm going to put kiwi slices. So, I don't know. I'll report back. Maybe it's too sweet, but I think I'm going to like it. So, I'll get back to you guys as soon as it's done cooking. Peace out for now. All right, folks, we're back, and this... This is awesome. I'm having a blast. All right, you guys will see the pictures of this online on fishnerds.com. So I took out the uh, fluke filet topped with the banana slices and the Ritz cracker mix and put it in a nice um, clay-colored um, dish. Um, and on the side of it, I put deep-fried and battered okra all along the side of it on the edges in this um, circular uh, circular tray here, circular uh, serving dish. And on top of it, I put 
On top of the fish fillet with the Ritz crackers, I put slices of kiwi. And on top of the center of the kiwi, we have a black uh, caviar. This looks really cool. So now let's find out what the heck this tastes like. It looks awesome, seriously. All right, so here's a bite of the fish and the banana and see what we get. Oh, that works. That's wicked cool. Nice textures. So the uh, the fish is wonderful. Really um, nicely cooked, not overdone, really soft and tender and mild. And the banana too as well is that, that really soft, almost creamy, not mushy. It's not mushy, which I'm glad. Texture. And guys, that this is awesome. I think people will be blown away by this if you served it to them. Okay, and then I got my okra here and some uh, hot peppers. Yeah, the okra is just awesome. Super crunchy. Guys, I will post up the recipe and pictures for this. Hope somebody tries it. Um, if you do, post on the Facebook group Fish Nerds Podcast and tag me on it, Hugo Maderos. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Right. So that was fantastic. Sounded delicious, didn't it? Yeah. Now he served that fluke. Let me show you a picture, Zoe. And we have a picture on our website for those who who want to see it. Um, he served that fluke with bananas and kiwi and fish roe down the top of it. You see that, Zoe? Yeah. Now, what for me, I could not eat that dish. Why? Because you're allergic to kiwi. Because it would kill me. Thanks for nothing, Hugo. You're fired. <laughs> but great job. And, of course, we're going to put a link to the book Hugo referenced on there on our website as well, fishnerds.com, with photos and the recipe. God, I love that guy. You like that guy? Uh-huh. Yeah. I've never met him, I don't think. No, oh, you, you have met him one time at a conference in Connecticut a long time ago when he was very nice I've to you. I've been to Connecticut? He gave, he gave you um, very spicy beef jerky. Remember, it burned your mouth a lot. Oh! Yeah. You totally... You totally. It was a fish conference. It was a fish conference. That's right. There were some Tim Mountain people there, I think. Not Tim Mountain, but other outdoorsy people for sure. Yeah, yeah. You you made fire there. Yeah, I remember. And you fished in the trout pond there. I remember. Yeah, it was in Hartford or something. All right. So anyway, that was Hugo. All right. So Zoe and I and my family got to host Appalachian Trail through hiker. He was heading south from Maine to Georgia. What do you call a southbound hiker, Zoe? A sobo. A sobo. And what do you call a northbound hiker? A nobo. And what is one of your nicknames? Zobo. Zobo. No joke. So that's for reals. So anyway, Yates hung out with us. Did you like Yates? Yeah. Yeah. He's 18 years old, fresh from the trail. How did he smell? I couldn't smell anything. I had a stuffed up nose. You are so lucky because hikers have a very unique smell. If you've never hung out with an Appalachian Trail hiker... Uh, be prepared for the smell of them. We made him shower and and uh, wash all his clothes for him. He wanted to shower. He wanted to shower. That's a good point. All right. Okay, fish nerds. Uh, Clay Groves here sitting in my basement studio with Yates Carrier. Yates is from Virginia Beach. He's a fish nerd. I met him at the uh, Virginia Aquarium. I was uh, then I was at a few months ago. Had lunch or was it lunch or dinner with you and your mom? Dinner with you and your mom, and then you said you're gonna hike the Appalachian Trail. 
And I said, oh, cool. When you get to New Hampshire, give me a call. I'll take you fishing. And I did. Yeah. yeah so, hey, great. welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Yeah. And so, hiking the Appalachian Trail, you're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Just graduated high school. Yep. Now, all by yourself, you're hiking the AT starting in Maine. And for those who don't know, the Appalachian Trail goes from Maine to Georgia. Uh-huh. It's what, 2,100 miles? Uh, 2,189 miles. Yeah, so now only a real nerd cares about the 189 miles. Because yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. if you do 2,100 miles or whatever, <laughs> the rest, who gives Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> honestly. Well, I mean, but, it's nine miles you have to hike. But so. when, you're, when your feet are on the ground, those miles matter. Yeah. And so, so you started at Mount Katahdin in Maine. Mm-hmm. And you're now here in Conway, New Hampshire. Yep. I picked you up at uh, Pinkham's Notch this morning. Yep, Pinkham's Notch. Yeah. Uh, so how has the hike been so far? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, it was hard. Maine was hard. Uh, lots of roots, rocks, bugs, and uh, mud all through Maine. Yeah, Maine's a terrible place. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. There's, uh, there's definitely some really good fishing holes through Maine. Um, but yeah, it's it, you hit. Oh, well, I mean, in my first day, I hit the hundred mile wilderness, um, which is basically you're not supposed to see civilization for uh, like ten days or so through this hundred miles. Even though I kept running into summer camps, summer camps are everywhere. Yeah, I know it's it's insane. They, they take uh, up the entire campsite. It's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're totally fun. So you hiked three hundred miles roughly so far. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, because you're like, oh, no, 319.2 miles. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say was the, the most difficult thing in this first 300 miles for you? Um, I think the most difficult thing so far uh, has just been putting up with the rain. The rain has been pretty consistent. In my first uh, 20 days out there, I've had uh, three days of full sunshine and then like two or three partly sunny days then luckily i well luckily or unluckily i spent all of my uh lucky days of no rain in about a solid week block so those are now over <laughs> those are now over yeah and it's funny because this morning we picked you up and today it looked like it was gonna be a rainy yep. day and it turned out to be stunningly beautiful yeah it was awesome. you could have summoned mount washington day very nicely i, I could have but tomorrow's looking good too tomorrow's so. a day so I, I picked you up you've been in conway with me for almost a whole day what are your mm-hmm. thoughts of our mount washington valley here I like it. I, it's a great town. Um, it's not too small, like some of the towns I've been in that are like a block long, literally. Uh, it's a great place, great community. We went and caught a movie uh, with a projector and everything. It was free for everybody. Mm-hmm. They had games, face painting for kids. That was just awesome. And you got to go fishing. And I got to go fishing. So what what did you think? This is the first time getting to fish with me. Yeah, that was that was, that was was great. Um Clay caught a really big uh, smallmouth bass. I we, caught a bunch of little baby ones. So we, we, we the, I, this afternoon we're having lunch at a burger joint in town. And uh, Yates was saying that, he goes, oh, you know, I got a friend who's like, you know, there's a big water park in North Conway. I'm thinking about going to the water park. And we said, we got free passes. You want to go to the water park? And what did you say? I'd rather go fishing. I want to go fishing. <laughs> That's why you're on the show because you're a total fish nerd. Yeah. So we went fishing down in the Osprey River mm-hmm. uh, because you want. I said, do you want to go trout or bass and you said I never caught a smallmouth bass so i guaranteed you smallmouth bass yep. i couldn't promise you size no 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 <laughs> but you definitely caught some yeah, right I yeah i got some as many as you wanted to catch you can catch yep. fish today it was we caught tons of fish oh yeah they were like popping out of the water it was like every other cast at least and and you saw my favorite new hampshire fish the fall fish yep weren't the they beautiful fish. yeah they were pretty cool i was not expecting um them to be that beautiful because all the minnows by us are 
pretty ugly suckers that we use for bait. Yeah, yeah. Those are apparently the biggest uh, minnows. The largest native minnow in New Hampshire. Now, carp are a minnow. So uh, you know, carp okay, obviously gotcha, get much, yeah. much bigger. But for native New Hampshire fish, that's yeah, that's big. They get to about two and a half pounds. It'd be a really, really mm -hmm. big one. Uh, so on the trail, have you met any fishing people? I have. Uh, there was a guy. His trail name was actually uh, um, uh, Brook Trout. Mm -hmm. And so I met him on my second to last day in the 100 miles. And he was just sitting there smoking a cigarette, flicking out uh, Brook Trout. It was so cool. Oh, that's amazing. I met, especially up there in Maine, there's just so yeah. many little wild Brook Trout fisheries, too, mm -hmm. where you can find yeah, them in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I was always thought if I had the uh, strength, energy, or will to hike the Appalachian Trail, I would hike it with a ten-car rod in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Have you seen ten-car rods? Uh, the the bamboo one. They're basically imagine a collapsible collapsible fly rod that gets to about eight inches long, uh -huh. weighs practically nothing, and is it gets about nine feet long when it's open, oh, and wow. it has a like a nine and a half foot leader material with a with a fly on the end, no reel. Okay, and you walk the rivers and you kind of dab that into the water. Or, Gotcha. And yeah, catch yeah, fish yeah. that way. I think that'd be like the way to go if you're going to do it, you know? Yeah. Because you really, and the other thing probably is hiking the trails, you're, you'll be breaking fishing laws, right? Because you don't have fishing license in every single state. Shh. Right. We won't yeah, tell yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're yeah, not, yeah. you're not fishing the trail, but yeah, if you no, were, no. you'd have to be like, yeah, ah, yeah. But who's checking, right? No. I mean, especially when you're in a hundred miles, like nobody's out there to tell you you can't. Yeah. So I wonder how many so. trout that guy ate in his travels. Uh, Definitely a lot. He, uh, he had, he I think he said he had like uh, six six trout um, his his first two days in that he ate, but he caught like a whole bunch more, and that he only had like like a couple of pounds of food, and was just basically living off a of trout was his plan. It's a good plan. You can do that in New England. Mm -hmm. You get some real get some real trouble as you get further south. You know, yeah. but that's where it goes. What is your trail name? Uh, wounded knee. Wounded knee. Now, I, like people who don't know Appalachian trail hikers is everyone gets a uh, trail name, but you don't pick your own name. How did no. you get wounded knee? So it's kind of like a call sign in the military. Uh, you get stuff for doing either a stupid thing you did. Mm -hmm. um, so what was your stupid thing? I uh, my first three days, um, the morning of my third day, um, through hiking. I uh, I slipped on a root and my knee went out and hit a rock and I got stitches. So uh, I got really lucky. I was close to uh, White Landing Hostel, great people over there. And so uh, I hiked the 14 miles over there. and While bleeding. While bleeding. So sharks were trailing behind you. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, coyotes uh, were coming in. Uh -huh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, The mountain... Mountain sea sharks. Yeah, they'll yeah. get you every time, yeah. every time. But you got to the hospital, you got your stitches, uh huh, yeah, and you got back on the trail. How much yep. time did you lose? Uh, I lost about a day. A day. So. That's not terrible. No, no, yeah. it's not. So yeah, and so and they're calling you a sobo, mm -hmm. and the people who hate are the nobos. Yeah, no, everybody's yeah. pretty cool on the trail, but there is a little bit of a rivalry. This is kind of pretend because you only see each one each one once. Yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah, not like yeah, a real yeah, live, but like, hey, I see you, Nobo, again. I'm, you know, you're dead meat. You know, because you're <laughs> passing each other the other direction. It's yeah. not like they're circling around. Yeah, each other. you're like almost never see that person again. Uh, and I, I imagine as a Sobo, there's like none of you, and there's hundreds of Nobos. Yeah, there's tons and of them. and so I can see how like the other guys bringing the traffic in, and they're the ones crowding the trails, and yeah. they're all in good moods because they're almost done, and you're just starting, and so you're pissed off. And <laughs> well, I'm not. It's it's not so much that you're pissed off. At starting, you're pissed off that 
you're in Maine and it's been raining on you for so long. And Maine's a beautiful state, don't get me wrong. But it, it kicks your butt. It's like the biggest Sour Patch Kid you've ever had. Oh, God. It's like sour to you getting up to the top of that mountain. And then it's so sweet to you when you get that like 360 view mm-hmm. of the entire just wilderness. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so. a beautiful state. The mosquitoes this year. The state bird. Uh, the state bird. I've never seen mosquitoes like we have this year. Oh, they're it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So the biggest problem um, in the 100 is that. The, uh, I'd say about the first 50 miles of it, maybe 60 miles of it, you're at like 400 to 600 foot with a couple little bumps in there Mm -hmm. and it's all bog, all mud, (sighs) all marshy and this. You're just wet for days and the weather's been terrible, but you know, you've signed up and you're doing it, right? Which is amazing that you've gone 300 miles. Mm -hmm. You've only got. A million more to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We've driven you more miles today than you've, you know, walked into, you know, week and a half, right? It's just yeah, like yeah. all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but we got your good meals. Yeah, it was Got your good time. Uh, it's, it's super good to have you over here. And, Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. And anytime. And we're hoping to, as, as you get through the trail, we want to be able to follow along with you. Can mm-hmm. can people who are following the Fish Nerd Nation on Instagram, how can they follow you on Instagram to see uh, how you're doing? I have an Instagram account. It's called uh, Kook in the Woods. Um, it's a K-O-O-K yeah, in the K- woods. In the woods. And it's uh, underscore in between each word. So Kook underscore in underscore the yep. underscore woods. No That's, underscore. No <laughs> underscore. That's impossible to memorize. We'll put a link up on um, fishnerds.com. Okay. And cool. if you follow the Fishnerds on Instagram, we'll put putting pictures up tagging Kook in the Woods and... Uh, if you tag awesome. up the fish nerds as you hike, yeah, definitely. Um, people can follow along with that and see how you're doing and check in mm-hmm. with you and you know and and uh, your mom follows you there. So anyone who comments, yeah. your mom will, will be like, "Oh, thanks for looking out for my yeah. son." <laughs> yeah, she I'm likes so that worried lot. about him. Yeah. <laughs> she mailed you a care package to my house. It must have weighed 25 pounds. It was not that much, <laughs> and, no. and it was 25 pounds of like pure sugar, just this oh, box yeah. of candy and like. Were you were yeah. loving that yesterday I had uh, a whole pound of Sour Patch Kids for lunch. Oh, so. my God. That's the worst, <laughs> the worst, like, terrible food I've ever heard. So, But if anyone does have any questions about hiking the trail or how you're doing, just go on the Instagram, ask the questions, and uh, every so often when this kook in the woods gets uh, <laughs> on the Internet, he'll answer your questions yeah. for you. But he's not on the Internet constantly, right? You're not, like... No. tweeting as you're walking no you can't do that i mean i can on some peaks most peaks i can uh check but i usually just check for like uh my parents and stuff like that family members but uh if i get to the hostel and you guys have questions i'll do my best to answer them and stuff like that that'd be fabulous yeah totally do that and we'll follow up um maybe in november and see how you do it or maybe we'll get you up here to some ice fishing we'll record a live oh, segment yeah. on the ice And you can see what was harder, hiking the Appalachian Trail or ice fishing with me. (laughs) (laughs) See how it goes. (laughs) It's going to go a lot like today, only colder and less wet. We we actually both fell in over our heads today uh, while fishing. So, yeah, river fishing is the best. (laughs) So, we have a great time. But we're excited about your hike and and it's going to be really fun to follow along. So, thanks for uh, for giving me some time on the uh, podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, anytime. Uh, and Zoe and I went fishing with Yates. How was that? What'd you think? Awesome. Yeah, where did we go? 
secret place I can't yeah, tell you. That's the right answer. We do not divulge our fishing spots. But it was a river, and it was full of fish. And you caught some fish. What'd you yeah. catch? I caught smallmouth bass mm-hmm. and a lot of fall fish. A lot of fall fish. One of our favorite fishes, right? Yeah. And have I ever eaten them? You have. You had a falafel fall fish, and you've had fall fish fish cakes as well. So you have eaten them. They are delicious. Uh, uh, I also recommend if you catch a big one while you're dealing with it, cut the cheek out and eat the cheeks. They're very, very good. Yummy. Yummy. Have you, um, and we fell in the river while we were fishing there. We did a lot of swimming. I swam a lot. Yeah. I swam a lot. You swam a lot, and that was totally fun. So we had a great time with Yates, and we hope he comes back to come ice fishing this winter with us. Definitely. Definitely. All right, Zoe, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been afraid? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been naked and afraid? Mm, only if it involves seeing Hello Kitty somewhere in my bedroom. Yeah. If I, you know, being naked around Hello Kitty is scary. Would you? Yeah. Would you? If you were not paid any money at all, if someone said to you, "Hey, Zoe, I'm going to fly you somewhere you've never been in a mountain, somewhere maybe in Europe or something, and I'm going to put you in the woods naked with some guy you never met before." For 21 days, and you guys have to survive in the woods. Would you do it? Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I would not. I would not do it. The whole thing doesn't make any sense to me at all. But our friend, Samantha Ohl, thinks it's a great idea. And so she called over Skype into the show to tell us all about her adventures of being naked and afraid on the Discovery Channel. So Okay, I'm here on Skype with Samantha Oh, Samantha is world famous now because Samantha is naked and afraid. Hi, Samantha. Hi, how are you? Good. So um, so I got in contact with you because our friend Phil Belcher from uh, Trapper Tackle said, Hey, Clay, you got to talk to Samantha. So here we are, and I Googled you, and you're going to be on Naked and Afraid. Or you've already done the filming, right? Correct. I've already done the filming, and now it's going to be airing. Which is exciting. Now, I I don't have cable, so I don't get to watch Naked and Afraid. And uh, (laughs) I I say say it's on Amazon, but I didn't didn't actually, I've never seen the show before. So, first of all, you can actually watch it on Discovery um, Discovery website too once it comes on. So, oh, good. That's good to know. And so, what, what is Naked and Afraid? Let's get people caught up to what we're talking about. Okay, so Naked and Afraid is a survival show Mm -hmm. where two total strangers meet and they are only allowed one item each and the let's you have to survive for twenty one days. With one item. With one item each. Both of you have one and the key is to survive together and you know the twist of it is is you're naked. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a twist. You're meeting two. You're meeting a total stranger. You have no idea who you're go who you're going to meet. And the other twist is, you don't know where you're going. Wow, and and that is really spooky, right? First of all, being naked is terrible. Um, so, like, for for a never nude like me, I, I the whole thing makes me uneasy. Now, my one thing would be pants. If I was doing <laughs> pants, <laughs> yeah. What uh, now? You can't tell us too much about this actual episode because. It hasn't aired yet. Is that correct? Correct. Um, you know, I'm not, you I want I want everybody to watch it. Mm-hmm. So um, oh. I can tell you just from the experience that, mm-hmm. you know, it's as real as it can get. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people seem to misconstrue the way TV is sometimes. And 
definitely is real. There was real survival involved. There was a camera crew, but they were not, they didn't help us. Some people always have that in their head too. And it wasn't. And another thing I always get questioned is, how much did you get paid? Mm. <laughs> and the big answer is I did it for bragging rights. I well, did it to put my name out there in in the world, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, I Googled you and you now are on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. You've got a page there now and you have credits, professional credits on there, which is exciting. Yes. How uh, awesome is that? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that already? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is totally cool. Um and you definitely got to get the bragging rights. I mean, you were 21 days in the forest or wherever? Yes. Yes. And um, it was, I, I'll tell you, it was in the forest. That's about as far as I could go. <laughs> and um, other than that, I mean, I've gotten the questions of what did you do to prepare, you know? And basically, I st- I went out in the woods around my local area where I live in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania and... Um, I did a lot of primitive fire starting. Um, I did a lot of feet conditioning because I wasn't going to wear shoes. So that was one of my big things is I was more worried about my feet, well, stepping on thorns and stuff. So Yeah, and the nice thing about feet is they are built for being outside without shoes on if we just give them a chance to adapt, right? And so Correct. You did all and that. I when, will say yeah. I did have, for the first two days, my feet were swollen mm-hmm. and... I they were numb. I couldn't feel anything because I got so used to it after. So, when when you were conditioning in Pennsylvania, did, were you wearing pants? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I I the the most naked I ever got in Pennsylvania in the woods was just in my bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. but but this isn't strange to you because you're you're from the military, right? So for you, Correct. like surviving and being tough, that's kind of what you already are good at. Yes, and that's kind of why I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking for a good challenge, and I'm looking to always find something new and exciting to do in life. So I found the opportunity, and I took it. Now, did this did did Naked and Frayed find you, or did you find them? They found me. Wow. <laughs> um, they found me through my social media, and um, all, a couple of my hunting photos. They were like. I think a couple hunting and fishing photos. Yeah, they were very, they were impressed and were like, you should apply. And I'm, I, at first I was very hesitant. I did not know. And I'm like, is this a joke? And then I click on the link and I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, this is naked and afraid. That's for real. Now, yeah, which, it was. <laughs> now, I, I read a couple other articles that, you know, the, I read a, one interview with you and it said your husband was supportive of this. Was he immediately supportive? Hey, husband, I'm going to be naked on TV. Or was he like at first, like, ah, maybe you ought to think about that. No, he was, um, it took me about a couple weeks to talk mm-hmm. him into it. And then he finally, you know, once, once we talked, sat down and talked like a lot more, it was, all right, I support you, you know, let's go ahead and do this. Cause he knows that at the end of this, you know, me and my husband want to be successful in the outdoor world. Oh. So and I, I felt like this was a great opportunity to put our last name and our name out there, you know? Yeah, and it gets you on the map for sure. And Yes. You know, you know being naked is a good way to get noticed. Um, I, I, I don't, I, that, that, the surviving part for me, like I, I've taught survival classes and stuff like that. I've done all the survivor stuff. The being naked for me would be the only part I, had, I would have trouble with. Because, um, it was hard. Yeah, it, um, just, it's just the awkward conversation. Like the first time you meet someone, you're like, oh, I see yes. your junk, dude. Like, what am I going to say? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was... <laughs> 
it was awkward for the first three days. Mm-hmm. And then I, I always tell people so I've gotten criticized and then I'm like, listen, I'm like, I, you got to look back to your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they start? And where did they start in civilization? I, my, like, mine were pants. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I come, I'm, my family's from Malaysia. So, mm-hmm. um, we're from a fishing, like a village and we're big fish, like a big fishing family, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, not, I'm not saying it was like easy, but it was hard. Mm-hmm. And got, um, especially got... coming from where I was, like my family comes from, it was kind of difficult. But everybody became very supportive. Mm-hmm. So and, you, and and after a while, you get kind of like, okay, we're naked, and that becomes no longer a novelty. It becomes just what you are, right? Like no, and... you'd wake up every day, and it was just like, hey, it's normal, and it's not like there's nothing sex. There is nothing sexual about being dirty and naked. Not to you at all. No, <laughs> disgusting. Not to me at least, but not yes. It was yeah. nothing at all. When when your partner has ticks and stuff, that's not cute. So No, not <laughs> not cute. No, I've I've been to a nude beach once on accident. And, I probably would never go to one. <laughs> uh, I was I didn't mean to. I went on vacation in New Jersey to a place I used to live and it used to be a nice private beach you can sneak onto and I was well, still a private beach you can sneak onto, but I snuck onto it and it was like I, I just a full on gay nude beach and it was <laughs> the most uncomfortable beach experience i've ever had um and, and i'm i support everyone being naked wherever they want to i just for me i'm like oh, i don't know what to do i'm like getting out of here it's time to go you know yeah. i hustled out of there um so was it weird for you having being naked and having the camera crew like always there too because then you've then you know you've been watched the whole time that for me would be yes it was at first because yeah. when I when I went into this, I went in challenging the fact that I want to become comfortable with I wanted to become comfortable with my body and who I am, mm-hmm. you know, and that took a lot of guts for me to get Huge. over. But yeah, I, I came back and I'm so uncomfortable with who I am now. Like I'm not ashamed of I'm not ashamed of any anything about myself. Well, like my mommy. Yeah, yeah, I have four kids, you know. Four. And yes, I have oh, four. You're and just crazy then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very, very crazy. <laughs> Phil will tell you I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, having four. Well, Phil's got like 19 kids now, so oh, he's yeah, in the Phil, same boat you Phil are. <laughs> yes, yeah. we have crazy families. <laughs> you, you really do. And so let's let's talk a little about fishing because this is a fishing podcast. First of all, first of all, when can the when's the show airing? When can our fans listen to the show or watch the show? Um, you can uh, catch the show on Discovery Channel August 13th mm-hmm. at 10 p.m. And then after that, it'll be on Discovery. Yep, and, and then we'll after that, it'll be on Discovery. If you don't have cable, it's going to be on Discovery Channel's website, mm-hmm. um, and you'll be able to watch it there. And then after that, they're going to replay it a lot on Discovery Channel on Sundays. Yeah, so. I'm sure that's a very popular show. All right, yes. so let's get into some fish talk here, because you are a fisher person and a hunter person, right? Yes. All right, and you live in Pennsylvania. Yes, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yeehaw! Coal country. Um, what, uh, what, first of all, let's talk about fishing. You've been fishing your whole life? Yes, yeah. I have. I started with my started with my dad, very small, the normal worms and all that, and the bobber. And then when we lived in Malaysia, we did the net casting. And then I'd always go out with my dad to put nets out to catch fish to sell in town. So, yep. Oh, that, so you actually worked as a fishmonger in Malaysia. 
basically I followed my dad. My dad always took me with him to do it. So I was always watching him and learning. And mm -hmm. honestly, I learned to fish in Malaysia when we didn't, you know, I lived in the village. We couldn't afford poles. I fished from a Coke bottle. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> I've done that kind of fishing. Yeah. It's effective. <laughs> it's effective. It's when you take the, for people who don't know, it's when you take a Coke bottle, you wrap a bunch of yards of fishing line around it, and then you kind of use that as your reel. There's no rod, and you whip the, whip that hook and bait out in the river, and then you hand reel it in, right? Correct. Yeah, and the, and the bottle is just a spool to hold on all the line. Yep. Um, they actually make a product now. It's I forget what it's called, but basically it's a water bottle that in the bottom you unscrew it. It has fishing line weights and a hook in it, and you just tie it to that water bottle. So you have, always have... Really? Yeah, I can't recall the, name, the company that makes it, but it's a real thing you can buy, or you can just use a recycled Coke bottle. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty great. So that's an interesting way to fish. Now, Malaysia, I don't even care about Pennsylvania anymore. Malaysia, what um, what are the fish you have in Malaysia? Oh, we have ample amount of catfish. Um, and you have like some have... unique catfish, not like not like the brown bullheads in Pennsylvania, right? You have no, we don't. And then we have st we have your st we have stingrays. Mm -hmm. um, let's see what else we have. Um, a sea bat. We have. I live um in the China, it was the China Sea, so we mm -hmm. had some sea bass. We had a lot. We had a lot of what we have here, but sea like you know, saltwater version. Mm -hmm. But I will say, and we have um snakeheads. A lot of people, a lot of people love to catch those snakeheads and peacock bass. Oh, I would so, two fish I would love to catch uh, are snakeheads. Yes, and I've caught um. Bass. I've caught bowfin here in Pennsylvania, but now I want to catch a... I never caught a snakehead, so I know I could go to Florida and do it, but that gives me a reason to go back home, so... It's a good, <laughs> it's a, it's a good reason. So now in Pennsylvania, you're fishing all the time. You're, you've got all kinds of, like, sponsorship now. you got a trapper, you got a trapper tackle hat on right now. So yes, trapper are a, tackle. Are you a pro staff I, for, uh, for Phil? I am. A, yeah. Yes, I am a pro staff for... Um, I am a team leader for mm -hmm. tackle... Uh, Trapper tackle. Better get and, it right. Um, You're a team leader now. You got the keys yeah, to the store. Yeah, team leader. Yeah. For those <laughs> now, who don't know, trapper tackle, they make those hooks that have like a square cutout in the bottom of them, and it's supposed to be a better way to hook fish. Is that correct? Correct. And I tell you what, I took our the new one, the trebles, out on a bomber down on Shenango River here. Mm -hmm. I had about 13 smallmouth on, and I didn't lose a single one. That, that's pretty great. Now, I've never actually used... Phil keeps threatening to send me some hooks, and he's never sent me any yet. So one day, I'm going to test these things out. Yes, yeah. you got to, because yeah. the hookup ratio is amazing. So higher than the traditional hook. Is that, yes. Yeah. And then um, I also belong to a kayak anglers chapter, and it's Western Pennsylvania kayak anglers. Mm -hmm. So um, I fish bass tournaments from the kayak with my husband. Do you ever compete? And... I've always wanted to see a, a kayak angler compete against a bass boat angler. Like on the same, I've never in, done the, that. in the same tournament. I, I don't even know if it's allowed because you see, it's, it's such a very different tournament, right? Those big bass boats with the three hundred horsepower Johnson on yep. them, and they fly across all the fish to their fishing you know spots. What? And I, um, I think that the kayak is at a better advantage, though. Well, it, I, I mean, would say. I, we, we, you think most of these guys are driving past the fish you're going to catch? Oh yeah. yeah, when we've been on the lakes, there's been boats. They've been fishing right where we are, but, you know, we have the kayak and we get to go right up in to mm -hmm. the bank or right inside by the trees. So, I mean, I've caught, I've caught some decent fish, especially on, um, when there's lily pads Oh yeah, and you get to take the kayak out there, man, that's pretty awesome yeah. too. I would love to see it. So if you ever do it, you ever, ever challenge a bass boat in a, in a tournament, I, I would love that 
That's that awesome. to be on stage. So get get those guys' egos under check because their their, their <laughs> boat is all, all. I think all a big bass boat is is a big pile of ego, right? So oh, they hate they hate seeing us on the water during tournaments too. Sometimes because they got to slow They're, down. Yeah, yeah, like we're either in their way or we're in their spots on by the by the bank. You know, it's. You could tell they don't like us around sometimes, but yeah. oh well. <laughs> I think every kind of I think every kind of fisher is a snob about their their sport, about the way they do it. So oh god, I know. Is there any <laughs> is is there any kind of fishing you don't or won't do? No, there's no. nothing I would not. I'll do. I even do bow fishing. There's there's nothing that I would not try. I'm I have attempted and i do catch steelhead on the fly rod oh. during the yeah i know during the winter time up here are so you spade casting or are you just regular fly rod regular fly rod wow i've never done that yep. either so we don't have in new hampshire we don't have um steelhead we have rainbow rainbow trout which are the same fish but steelhead yeah is it's, a, it's a big oh one. man it's it is fun it's amazing and i do ice fish too i love ice fishing but we haven't had a good season here for like Two years, so well, you're in luck. I'm an ice fishing guide. That's my my winter job. As the only I guide, awesome. I guide, but only through the ice. I don't guide in the summertime. So if you're ever in New Hampshire, I will take you and your family out ice fishing if you ever want to go. So you're totally invited. But That's you, you awesome. got to bring me some hooks because Phil's failing you big time by not getting me on those hooks. Oh, definitely. So, <laughs> yeah. We'll see if they work well under tip them, ups. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. So I, we only have about a minute left here. Okay. Uh, best fish you ever caught. Best fish I ever caught was a lake trout. It's mm -hmm. downstairs hanging on my wall. She must smell it bad. It was, uh, yeah, up at Lake <laughs> Erie, I caught it. Yeah, and uh, worst fish you've ever eaten? Worst fish. You know what? I haven't. I don't have a worst fish. Oh. I like any kind of fish. I'm well, not really picky. All right, hang out with me. I'll get you out some <laughs> some terrible tasting fish sometime. <laughs> and, I'm not not really picky with fish. And can people who um who like what you do follow you on social media? You have a Twitter, Instagram. Where do people find you if they want to yes. contact you? You can find me on Instagram, and my Instagram is Samantha underscore Ol O H L. Cool. And also, you can find me on Facebook. Just go ahead and search Samantha Ole, and you'll find me. And also, I'm on uh, our, me and my husband's website. It's www.keystone-outdoors.com. Keystoneoutdoors.com. What yep. I will do is I will put all these links in the show notes. Would you hike the Appalachian Trail naked? If you were, if it was a good promotional thing for you. Yeah. Yeah, you do I would. that. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd uh, do anything. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, put me in the, the, you put me in the worst condition, I'll try it. Why not? Why not? Well, cool. Hey, Samantha, thank you so much for your time today. Um, and and uh, this has been really great talking to you. I'm happy to meet you. And I'll yeah, be nice following all you. of your adventures. And I can't wait to see uh, Naked and Afraid uh, August 13th. August 13th, August. 10 p.m. on Discovery Channel. Past my bedtime. Uh, but we'll watch the day after <laughs> on discovery.com. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Samantha. All right. Thank you so much. All Take right. care. All right. Thanks, Samantha. And you can follow her adventures by watching the show on August the 13th. Zoe, we'll watch it together. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll giggle a lot uh, at naked people in the woods. Okay, because <laughs> honestly, you see next people naked people in the woods. You're supposed to giggle. You have no yeah. choice. You have no choice. 
Hey, how about some Stump the Fish Nerds? Yeah. Yeah, and to play Stump the Fish Nerds, if you want your question answered on the show, call 607-378-FISH and ask us any question you want. And the Fish Nerds community is big, 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 big now. The bigliest. Can I stump the fish nerds? You can give a question. Is there more reasons for puffer fish to puff up than to get away from predators? Does it have something to do with uh, mating? Uh, that's a good question, and I can look it up and use it on another show, because I don't know. Do you I know? stumped the fish nerds. <laughs> oh, get off my show. You're fired. <laughs> All right, so her question was, was does a puffer fish puff up for other reasons besides um, protection from predation, right? That's your question? That's a very good question, uh, and I, 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 I will work on this, I promise, okay? But you did stump me. Got it. Got it. So call 607-378-FISH. We had a caller call in with this question. Clay, this is Hugo, man. Uh, Venus, who's trying to talk, and here we are frying a batch of uh, mackerel and pollock that we just caught. Vina had the excellent question as to why, as we're here uh, prepping a bunch of fish, the skin on the pollock is slimier than that on the mackerel. So on mackerel, we know they have the tiny scales. And um, she asked why their skin is different. I don't have the answer to that. Maybe the doc does. Just curious. Thanks, bud. Talk to you soon. And to recap, that question was, why do some fish have more slime than others? For example, uh, if you're cleaning a... Fall fish. Uh, fall fish. They're not as slimy as like an eel. Or if you... He, in this example, it was... I think it was... He had a pollock or a haddock versus a mackerel. One was slimier than the others. And his question was, why do they have varying amounts of slime? So, so do you know why fish have slime? Um, to be more slippery so they can get away from predators. So that is one reason. Uh, now, so I went to a natural history website called loino.edu, and I asked them that question, and they said, um, this is in the Delta Journal, uh, they said, if you caught fish, you know they are very slimy, and virtually every species is, but why? And here's why. Slime is a result of glycol proteins that are produced in the epa, blah, 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 who cares? But the obvious function of slime, see, I, I paraphrase Zoe. Uh, one of the obvious functions of slime is that it reduces drag by coating the irregular surface of the scales, thus enabling fish to slip easily through their environment. So slime makes them move faster because it smooths down their scales, right? But another thing slime does is it protects them against uh, invaders, like things that would break through their skin, like fungus, bacteria, parasites, um, and all kinds of other stuff. And some slime has like medicine in it that's like you know, protects them and helps them heal faster from wounds. So slime's really important to fish, right? Awesome. It is awesome, and it's kind of gross. Uh, medical research are working feverishly to isolate slime's active ingredients to attempt to find applications for human infections. Maybe we can have slime humans. Like, oh, I got cut. I'm going to slime over my cut, you know. Does that sound good? Next time you get cut, I'm going to rub fish all over you? Yeah. Yeah, delicious. Another important function of slime is that it aids the balance of electrolytes by forming a two-way selective surface that maintains livable osomorgulorgatory filter. I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? Never even heard the word. Never even heard. The other thing is fish exchange gases through their skin. They can get oxygen, nitrogen, other things through their skin, right? And the slime helps decide what comes in and what goes out. 
Yeah. So um, some fish use um, slime to create nests for the young. Others secrete copious amounts of protein-rich slime as food for their offspring, almost like milk for babies. So they'll slime out and the babies will lick the slime off. Um, and some fish slimes contain toxins that immobilize their prey or give them protection from predators. Um, so these are all different reasons. Now, now, why do some fish have more slime than others? What do you think? Um, now that you probably know Probably because um, some fish don't need to go as fast. Mm-hmm, good. Like a flounder. They hide on the bottom, so they don't need to go very fast because mm-hmm. they hide. Sure. So maybe they don't need as much slime, or maybe they need more slime, right? Because some fish on the bottom have to burrow in the mud. If you're burrowing down the mud, you want to have a thick coating of slime on you to keep that mud from like penetrating your skin or parasites from getting it. But like maybe they have a thicker layer of scale. Maybe they have a thicker layer of scale. They might have thicker scales. There's a lot of reasons. So if you look at that, I think the amount of slime is like an evolutionary variance. So... You know, because of where you live, you might need more slime because you live in a place that maybe the water has more bacteria in it. Maybe you're at a different level of the water where there's more predation and more things where slime you need to be faster, like you said. And if you look at the fish he compared, he was saying mackerel versus um, fish in the cod family. Mackerel are very fast fish, right? Yes. Yes. And they move through the water really fast and that slime really helps them a lot. Um, so it makes a big difference. Um, but we'll we'll have to do some more research on this, and maybe some other callers will call in with some more slime research. But if there's individual variation, and it matches the environment of the fishes, which means it's the right amount of slime for that species of fish, right? All right, cool. So that stumped the fish nerds. If you want to play Stump the Fish Nerds, call 607-378-FISH. Um, oh, by the way, I also read that some cultures uh, use fish slime as actual glue. Interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So we should maybe give that a shot sometime. 607-378-FISH. Do you like Fish in the News? I love Fish in the News. I love Fish in the News, too. And how do you, th- how do you like our new theme song? It's awesome. Yeah. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish Fish in the news. news. (laughs) Perfect. All right. This is from... Now, our friend Olaf sent these news stories into us. And the first one is... You're going to love this one. It's from sciencemag.org. Sciencemag.org. And listen to the headline of this one, Zoe. Fish communicate through urine. Is urine poo? Not poo. Spawn. Not spawn. Waste. <laughs> What's, there's number one and there's number two. Urine is number one. one. Right. So, <laughs> through their spawn, that's even grosser. All right. Some of the signals animals use to communicate are obvious. Birds sing, lions roar, but there's a whole category of signals in the natural world that humans rarely notice. Researchers have found that one species of cichlid uses urine to send chemical signals to rivals during their aggressive displays. Now, can you think of other animals who communicate through urine? Yeah. Like who? Dogs use pee mail. They do. Dogs use pee mail, right? They, they pee on trees and mark their territory. Foxes, coyotes, cats, lots of animals communicate through urine. We shouldn't be surprised that fish also can do this. 
Now, the team separated large fish from small fish with a transparent divider. Half the dividers contained holes to allow the water to flow back and forth. Scientists then injected the fish with a violet dye, purple dye, which is why that fish in the picture is purple, turning the urine bright blue. By the way, another way to get your urine blue is to eat a box of blueberry cereal. It really works. Blueberry cereal? It, it's called blueberry cereal. Blueberries. It's got a little ghost on it. And when I first moved to New Hampshire a long time ago, when I was 18 or 19, I, they, New Jersey, it was illegal to sell blue dye of that color. But in New Hampshire, you could. So I bought like five boxes. And for a week, all I ate was blueberry cereal. And like by day four, my pee was the same color as a cereal. It's bright blue color. <sighs> yeah. Now, I'm never going to let you do that. But I suggest <laughs> that when you're that older, you give it a shot. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then you can you can communicate like a fish. Uh, so when the, when the animals saw each other, they raised their fins and rushed toward the divider. They also changed the way they peed. Um, fish separated by a solid barrier couldn't detect their opponent's urine in an attempt to get the message across. They urinated, uh, they urinated even more so they could communicate stronger. So, like, if you're trying to talk to someone, they don't hear you, what do you do? You speak louder. You speak louder. So the fish in the other side couldn't smell their pee, so they peed more. Same thing. Peeing more and speaking louder is the same thing for these fishes, right? Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is which is great. Without the chemical cues provided by the urine, smaller fish often try to attack their larger opponents. The team reports this month in behavior of ecology and sociology. Humans could be missing other signals as well. The researchers contend, in addition to chemical signals, animals use seismic variations, uh, electricity, and ultraviolet light to communicate. Visual signals might be more obvious, but this research stresses the importance of looking for less noticeable forms of communications. Can you think of other ways you might communicate besides talking? Um. Uh, body language. Body language, yeah. And fish totally use some body language to communicate. All right, that was a good. That was very good news. We got one more, Zoe. And this is from uh, Illinois' Indiana Sea Grant, iicgrant.org. Illinois' ocean may provide the means for a fresh and locally raised seafood market. Um, do you know where Illinois is? If you were on a map. Illinois is somewhere in the USA. Yeah. Now, is there an ocean near Illinois? No. No, there's no ocean. It, Illinois is near the Great Lakes, right? So, while Illinois sits along one of the world's largest freshwater resources, an ocean is closer than you might think. Look down. About 540 million years ago, the state was situated at the equator and was the site of an ancient sea. As land shifted over time, this salt water became trapped in aquifers that still exist underground today. Illinois' Indiana Sea Grant funded researchers thinking outside the box wondered if this buried salt water might play a role in producing seafood in the region. So... So what they did was they looked underground and said, okay, there used to be an ocean here. Can we create an ocean here for farming fish? Awesome. It sounds awesome. It sounds so cool. It does sound so, so cool. They're kind of using ancient history mm -hmm. to produce sea delicious seafood. That's the hope, in right? Area. That's the hope. Their study revealed that Illinois may in fact be an environmentally sustainable and economically viable location for production of marine fish. What does environmentally sustainable mean to you? Um, having a 
dirty number. Having dirty numbers of fish that aren't hurting the environment, right? Yeah. Now, what does economically viable mean? I have no idea. Well, I think this is an important fu function of, of a sustainability. A lot of people think, okay, we just need to save the environment, right? But they don't think about how does it impact the economics. Economics is money in the marketplace. Can we make money doing good things for the environment? And they're suggesting that by farming fish underground here, they can do that. They can make it both good for the environment and good for your wallet so you can become a bazillionaire and get rich. If you had a million dollars, what would you buy? I, a motorhome. Yeah, a motorhome. All right, good. <laughs> Why would you buy a motorhome? I want to buy a motorhome. All right, I don't understand you. Okay. Oh, and I want to go to Madagascar. How, you drive your motorhome to Madagascar? No, I buy plane tickets. Uh-huh, then your motorhome is sitting here useless. Yeah, but when I come back, but when I come back, I'm going to use my motorhome because I want to live in my motorhome. I don't understand you. All right. So, uh, I don't know how I'm going to get a million dollars. <laughs> All right, here, here, listen to this. Currently, the U.S. imports 86% of its seafood. It means most of their seafood is caught somewhere else. That leads to a $10 billion trade deficit. So that's really important to find ways to get local sustainable seafood. Um, uh, let me kind of skip ahead here just a second here. Let me edit this point right here. Depending on the source of the saline water, it may come with additional contaminants uh, any treatment for use in the aquaculture. But does not. But does this water provide a suitable environment for raising striped bass? The research measured growth, weight gain, and other characteristics of striped bass grown in pre-treated saline aquifer water. The preliminary study revealed that fish farmers could substitute potable surface water for saline groundwater for the culture of saltwater species like striped bass. Finally, to assess the viability question from all sides, Researchers looked at what motivates consumers as they shop for seafood and their willingness to pay for more locally raised fish. They found that when it comes to decisions about purchasing seafood, freshness is key. Consumers are willing to pay $6 more per pound for striped bass produced in the Midwest. So that means if they could find a way to grow these striped bass in the Midwest, which are an ocean fish, uh, in an affordable way, they'll pay more for it and it's good for the economy. Right now, they prefer to have it shipped from the ocean to there, but by then it's not fresh anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, so fresh fish costs more money, good for our pockets. So anyway, that was from Illinois Sea Grant. Uh, really interesting study on using ancient groundwater to raise ocean fish in the Midwest. It seems crazy. That's like dinosaur science at its best, Zoe. Yeah, except no dinosaurs involved. No dinosaurs involved in this one. All right, so that's Fish in the News. So that is it. You have listened to a few fish nerds when you could have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that nerds do. If you want to support the fish nerds, go to patreon.com, search for fish nerds, and give us a dollar. Special thanks to Samantha. Oh, don't forget to see her on her Naked and Afraid on Discovery on August 13th. And thanks to Gates Carrier and good luck on the Appalachian Trail. Of course, thanks to our correspondents and Google, I don't know how to say his last name. Neither. Um, 
great segment. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd, spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get.